Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C., and I am recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area. Today is Friday, May 1st, 2020, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 154, the third paragraph that begins with, of course, he couldn't drink. Today's readers are Susan H. for the 12 Steps, Bet W. will read the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Katie T. and Lauren N. The reference numbers for yesterday, which was Thursday, April 30th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 14,534, 14534. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 14,535-14535. The newcomer greeted today will be Mary Beth S., and the host for the second hour is Lisa H. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who do shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine, we take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I am going to ask Susan H. to please read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. Thanks, Penny. This is Susan H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio and grateful. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Susan H. And now, Bet W., would you read the 12 traditions? Hi, Penny. This is Beth W. from North Dakota. I don't think I'm the tradition reader, but I'm happy to do it. Yes, go ahead, uh, please. All right. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, accepting matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest promises, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions that are reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I'll pass. Thank you so much, Bet W. And this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, we read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. We also ask that you limit the frequency of your sharing to every third day so that everybody will get an opportunity to share. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So in order to share, you would press star one, to unmute yourself, then once you are finished, please press star 1 again after you say pass and then press star 1 to mute. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. 
Today we resume our study of the big book on page 154 in the chapter of Vision for You, and we are on the third paragraph that starts with, of course, he couldn't drink. So I'm going to ask Katie T. to begin the, the, readings, the reading for us. Go ahead, Katie T. Good morning, fellows. This is Katie T., a recovered compulsive overreader in Greenville, South Carolina and pleased to be with you this morning. Of course, he couldn't drink, but why not sit hopefully at a table, a bottle of ginger ale before him? After all, had he not been sober six months now, perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks, no more. Fear gripped him. He was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. With a shiver, he turned away and walked down the lobby to the church directory. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. Boy, anybody who uh, recognized, uh, recognizes themselves as a compulsive overeater uh, knows exactly what this is like, being on thin ice. I used to experience what I called a 50-50 choice from God when I was working a program to the best of my ability at that time. And it reminds me of what Bill seemed to be experiencing that day when he was looking into the hotel bar. Um, it was like I could clearly see the two paths open in front of me. And you know, I knew what to do to move in the direction of one path. And it was like there was an e- almost an equally balanced choice. And it was uh, sometimes when that happened, I would make one choice and sometimes I'd make another. I'd, I'd, I'd really, in the program, I'd been given everything that I needed uh, to take the, pres- to the prescription, to walk away from that. Uh, desperately desired but still uh, feared first taste of my poison. I, you know, the knowledge that either I turned to spiritual help or I caved in, you know, another time. Just like Bill that day, I knew the, that under the insanity of the, the desire, there was no middle of the road solution, but I started bargaining just like he did. Just one, just this time. And, you know, it had always, as long as I can remember, been a battle for me. Food had been a, been a battle. And, you know, I'm going to quote from an old comic strip uh, called Pogo. I had met the enemy, and it was me. It, it, was, it had been so frustrating for so long, fighting myself, just to not hurt myself again. And when I think of a real war, you know, where you've got, you, you're, the soldiers are given guns and tactics and strategies and the most effective and current weapons available to achieve a victory, I didn't have any of those. I was the battlefield. I didn't have any defense. I would always lose. Um, and something as small as one M&M uh, was the trigger that led to my defeat. Uh, I just love that Bill, with a shiver, walked to the church directory. You know, his spiritual awakening had given him the only strength he had in his battle to surrender to spiritual help outside of him, to God. And it's amazing to me that the answer in this battle is in surrendering not to the enemy, but to a loving power. And I just love it that he, he clearly recognized in the middle of this that he was on thin ice. Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink. He knew he had a choice, and he made the choice to walk towards that church directory and towards um, the answer that's prescribed in this book. And that's all I have to offer this morning. I'm so grateful to be a part of this wonderful uh, phone call and this wonderful um, program. That's all. And we thank you very much, Katie T. And so 
Um, before I take the uh, list of names, I will be timing everybody approximately three minutes, please. And um, and a reminder to stay, if you would, um, talking about sharing on the paragraph that Katie just read. Who would like to share? Let's stop. I only got one name out of that. I have Paula. Please, please go again. Harlan G. Anna M. Craig F. Susan H. Okay, here's who I have. I have Harlan G. Paula, and then I've got last initials. Somehow people say last initials louder than they say their first name. So at least that's what I hear. So I have someone who whose last initial is M, then S and H. And we're going to try that instead of uh, using time to and you'll tell me your first names. Let's see how that works. So, Holland G., good morning, Arizona. Thank you, Penny, and thanks for your service. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is an absolute miracle woven within the tapestry of the miracles. And what is the miracle here? If Let me just, if this was me, and I'm in a hotel room at the Mayflower Hotel in Akron, Ohio. And Akron, Ohio is where most of the tires came out of. Goodyear is there. The, C- the Cyberlings own Goodyear. Goodrich is there. Firestone is there. And that's what Bill was doing there. They were trying to take over a company called Akron Tool and Die. And Akron Tool and Die was a manufacturer that dealt with the tire company, the tire industry. And the proxy fight, the proxy fight was they were trying to take over the corporation. Their effort failed. So once again, he had failed in his attempt to make good with his wife on on making a living and getting her out of the department store. He is broke. He is lonely. If this was me, there would have been a path of Chips Ahoy cookie bags from the Mayflower Hotel to the nearest chicken shack and chicken bones and napkins and and barbecue sauce as a path to the donut shop and then empty donut boxes and you get the picture. If this was me, I would have gone on a tremendous bender. But the miracle here is that he is going to, instead of this, he is going to take action. And the action that he's going to take is going to be fraught with fear and danger. You know, we get the impression, we're going to talk Monday about how he calls these uh, uh, ministers, and we get the impression that these ministers were really happy to hear from him. They were not. And we get the impression that Reverend Tunks was the first person that he's going to call. He was not. He was about the 10th. And the first eight or nine guys that he gets on the phone are asking him, "What? The, so you're a rum hound from New York. What do you want from me? I don't drink. I'm a minister. Why don't you get to my church tomorrow and maybe you can stop drinking too?" And he doesn't know how to. Un, he doesn't know how to explain to these people. He needs a drunk to talk to. He doesn't have the money to get home. He is discouraged. We talk about the buildup of human emotions leading to the first bite, the first mouthful. I don't like the word bite. I like the word mouthful. Bite sounds too dainty to me. Well, he is broke. He can't get home. 
He doesn't know what's going on. His friends have abandoned him. And rather than go in and drink at the bar, which was his, which was his default setting, he is not only going to take action, the action he is going to take is going to change the history and the trajectory of the world forever. This is the mir- one of the miracles within the miracles of the tapestry of what we're about to witness here. He is going to take action, which is absolutely counterintuitive and the absolute opposite of everything he's ever done before in his life. That is a miracle, and that could only come from the fact that when he was in the town's hospital, he had a spiritual experience, and he acted on that spiritual experience, and we have the fellowship of AA today, because instead of drinking, he took action. And that's why we're here today. And I'm grateful to him and grateful to every one of you and grateful to you, Penny, for your service. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Holland. And now, Paula. And please tell me the initial of your last name. Paula? Oh. Perhaps my ears deceived me. I thought I had that one clear. Okay. Um, Last initial, M. Last initial, M. Yes. Oh, thank you so much. It's a challenge to get on here to share, but I'm really appreciative of your service and everyone um, for being on the line. As far as the paragraph. Hold on. What is your first name? Oh, I'm sorry. It's Anna M. Anna. Anna. Okay, go ahead, Anna. Thank you. And um, as far as this paragraph is concerned, the whole idea of having sobriety for being sober for six months and then getting these crazy peculiar mental twists that we hear referenced to throughout the book about perhaps he could handle, say, three drinks no more. And I can't tell you how many times I've had that happen to me because at 53 years old, I've been in OA for probably 27 years. And that's happened to me, unfortunately, a lot more than I'd like to care to say, but I've circled the drain, as a good friend of mine says now and then, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times because I just never really had a complete first step of powerlessness and and over the years my food plan has changed where things that were once okay for me to eat are no longer okay for whatever reason and um well I think there's reasons but we don't have time to get into all of that but the thing is I've had that idea come through that oh you know so-and-so ate such and such an item ding-dongs or Twinkies or whatever the case may be. And for whatever reason, I got the idea, you know what, I think I'm going to try it. I'm going to have one. And then, lo and behold, I had one or two. It was fine. The next day, I got the same crazy idea, peculiar mental twist. If it worked yesterday, gee whiz, why won't it work today? And then the next thing, as the previous share mentioned, there would be trails of these things going from one food item to the other, whether it's in the house or in the car or whatever the case may be, you know. So 
the bottom line for me is the acknowledgement that I am an addict and I never really was able to sort of process the depth of what that meant. Now, I have some things that keep recurring in my um in my character flaws over and over and over and over again. But I have to take special care, self care, and I have to seek treatment alternatively because the steps are wonderful and they've helped me tremendously. But I have some deep seated stuff that needs extra special care. And um with that I pass, I thank you so very much, everyone on the line and may you all have a spiritual spiritually Day. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Anna M. All right, next, last initial, S. Someone who would like to share, who gave her name, and last initial is S. Well, this experiment is not working too well. <laughs> okay, how about someone whose last initial is H? Did you say H? Yes. <laughs> this is Susan H, and I would love to share, and I'm so glad that you, you heard part of my, <laughs> part of me anyway. Um, I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio, and when I read this paragraph, I'm not usually one that will look up the meaning of words, but insidious really kind of jumped out to me. Um, Again, it was the old insidious insanity, that first drink, and I did look it up. Insidious is intended to entrap or beguile, stealthily treacherous or deceitful. And I thought, I'm glad I looked at it. I had some idea what insidious meant, but wow. What a spot on description of that twist of the mind. That's what this says to me. This is, this is about the powerlessness and uh, that twist of the mind, which is the crux of our problem. The very same twist of the mind that can assure me, it's okay, this time's different. And yeah, I still have this disease. I, a great deal of us here do, and uh, in all honesty, the twist of the mind comes up. Uh, that is when I need to be alert, which is what I wrote in the margin directly from my sponsor. Ask for the right intuitive thought. Relax, which is spoken to on page 87. Um, I know that, that cold fear, when, when one of those thoughts come into my mind that he's talking about here, he shuddered. Uh, let's see, this is enough reason to me to work day and night to maintain my spiritual fitness. I want to continue to live in the sunshine of the spirit. And I choose to work as hard as I can to maintain that because this is a life that I never dreamed of and uh, I am so grateful for where I am today. So uh, with that, I will pass, and thank you for hearing me. Thank you, Susan H. And guess what? A little angel just told me that Craig F. wanted to share. Craig, are you there? This is Craig F., and yes, I was trying to get in. Good morning. Hey, well, there's an angel on your side. Well, good. (laughs) 
Okay. I need those angels. Thank you. Um, okay. Uh, what I want to share is that this um, wasn't the first time that uh, Bill Wilson had uh, um, tried to uh, uh, share his message, to, uh, to share the message of the program and drag somebody in. Um, he had sobered up in December, and this was June, and in that ensuing six months or so, um, he had uh, uh, been out trying to drag drunks off of bar stools, and uh, he was taking them to uh, uh, Oxford Group me- meetings. But he was uh, uh, he-, he was out there working at trying to find somebody to sober up, and and because he knew that he needed to do that, but. Uh, this is the this is going to be the first time it worked, and he said that the difference was that that um, he was before he was doing it um, almost out of a, a, a kind of vanity that he was uh, he was trying to sober people up, um, but uh, this time this time he he was uh, he had he almost lost hope that he was ever going to sober anybody else up, that anybody else was ever going to come with him. But he knew he needed to do this to to share the message in order to keep himself sober. And when he kind of let go of the results and and started doing this uh, in order to keep himself sober, it worked. And, you know, it's that enlightened self-interest that we have to keep in mind. You know, it, it's a... It, it'd be easy to to go and evangelize and to say to somebody that we meet that has a weight problem or you find out has a uh, a problem with bulimia or whatever to to say to carry a message to them that's based in in uh, kind of a look at me look what I found uh, uh, kind of a, uh, an attitude but when we carry the message. And we carry the message, and in, in, in order to to uh, stay sober, to stay absent ourselves, and and when we uh, uh, let the results go and leave them up to God, um, we're we're more likely to see to see the to see the results, to see the success, and and because it's a God's success anyway, you know I. I can't sober anybody up. I can't make anybody get abstinent. I can carry a message, and I can let go of the results. And uh, it's always so much better when we do that. When the person that carried the message to me uh, did so, they 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 pretty well let go of the results. And uh, I, you know, I was able to hear them uh, because I wasn't fighting some sort of uh, uh, an ego resistance with them, you know. Uh, it, it was it, it was put out in front of me, and it was between me and God, and uh, God did the work in my heart. And um, I, I think it's uh, important to see that, and with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Craig F., and thank you to the angel who told me you wanted to share. So let's take yes, the next thanks, angel. Let's take the next group of sharers, please. Who would like to? Sam S. 
Elena T. Larry J. Carolina J. Larry Larry K. Elena Sam S. Andrea. Uh, Nancy J. from Geneva, Illinois. Hey everyone, uh, let's wait now. Who was before? I want to know who was before Anita J. Elena C. Say that again, please. Elena T. And who was after Elena and Renita? Sam S. There's a, there's a squeaky noise. So if you've got your, if your speaker, speakerphone, please, please um, go to uh, regular. Okay, who was after Elena? Well, let me take this group of people then. I have Elena, and please give me your initial of your last name when you share. Elena, Anita J, Larry K, uh, Adini, and Nancy J. Go ahead, please, Elena. Good morning, everybody. This is Elena C. from Greenville, South Carolina, and I am so glad to be here. And I just, I'm just in awe of this paragraph. It's, it's kind of, um, reminds me of, you know, the decision that I'm faced with on a daily basis, maybe on a like hourly basis at times. And these decisions are like that, our decision in my best interest, decision based. Oh, Elena, we can't hear you. Give Elena one more little time. Okay, let's go to Anita J and we'll come back to Elena. Good morning, Anita. Hello. This is Elena C. I thought I was unmuted and I wasn't. I'm so sorry. All right, go ahead, Elena. Okay, so my name is Elena C. from Greenville, South Carolina, and I'm very grateful to be here. And I just love this paragraph. And, you know, I read in it the decisions that we all need to make on a daily basis, sometimes hourly basis. I know for me, you know, I'm faced with decisions um, of to act uh, as a to act and go into my condition of addiction you know, the mental twist, the physical allergy, and so forth. Decisions that are not good for me, and they're destructive to myself and others, but there could be decisions such as just reacting to situations that I shouldn't react to, or go into into fear. Interfere means interfere. Or and another decision I could do is based on faith and recovery, and that's what Bill did, you know, like he struggled a little bit with his disease. His disease was pulling him into these bad decisions, you know. And then, you know, luckily, the spirituality um, won. And that's what I need to remember on a daily basis, you know. And, of course, I'm going to do it imperfectly. I'm an imperfect human being. I, I read in this line, you know. I have an imperfect spirituality. 
And, but today, you know, I can say that I can remember to choose spirituality in all my decisions. And another thing I wanted to say is like, it's an opportunity, just like Bill has built AA, when we make this decision based on spirituality and because he go ahead and helps other people at a church, you know, we can, we can make our own support, our own community uh, through giving it away. And when we stay in the steps and when I stay in the steps and I choose um, spirituality and faith, I can then be a part of and be connected with you all. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elena C. And now, Anita J. Good morning, Anita. Good morning. Good morning, Penny. Thank you. Um, Thank you for calling on me, and thanks everybody who shared. And uh, here I am again, back in Framingham, Massachusetts, where um, I first walked through the doors of OA in 1978. And do you know when I got it on what this paragraph meant? 2014. So 2014, and the part that had always been missing, and in 2014 it was my self-talk. Look at what you talk about to yourself. Just like when he first, you know, listen to that little self-talk. I hear it in the story. Oh, I could go in there and sit at the bar. And from there, I could have one or two or three would be my limit. That self-talk led me into becoming a chronic relapser. Chronic, chronic, chronic. And until 2014. and um, but he heard himself, and he turned, and he went to that church directory looking for a drunk. I think it's, I, I tell you, I'm just so grateful. That was the missing link with me, my behavior. Every other time that I ever surrendered, my surrender, version of surrender, it had to do with I hit it my new top weight. This time... I was around 40 pounds below my top weight. It wasn't that. It was just thinking. I finally couldn't stomach my own thinking. It was a crock of, you know, whatever. Fill it in. And I'm grateful now that when I catch, because I am human, I start to think something that's negative, I know to turn away and help others like he did. Thank you, Bill. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. And before the next share, I just want to say that uh, for people who may um, have come a little uh, late, it's um, page 154, the third paragraph that we're on. Of course, he couldn't drink. And Larry K. is our next share. Morning, Larry. Good morning, Penny. Thanks for your service, Penny. Um, Larry K recovered this morning. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to look at the history of this. Um, you know, the, the the divine. It just shows the divine evolution of this practical program of action, right? It it, it has to be. Uh, if it's not, if it's not, then boy, this is the most wonderful random hoax 
that the world knows. And, and my recovery, my recovery, my experience as someone who's, who's been transformed by the grace of God, I believe, in these steps, uh, that's just one grand delusion. So for me, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's um, you know, when you look at this and you see the way that Bill, you know, he's, he's, on, he's on a slippery slope here, right? He's on shaky ground. And, and he, you know, we're going to see how this evolves. And we've been there before. I think um, Craig made an important point that he had absolutely um, pursued other people. But see, I think when I look at that, it's different. It's certainly different because he was pursuing that. It seemed to me when, when I read about that, he was pursuing those people with such passion and almost evangelism in a sense that he wanted to get these people, you know, to a certain place. And, and this is different now. He, he recognized that didn't work. Yet at the same time, he sees that he has to, one alcoholic has to work with another alcoholic. There's, where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? See, we know it today. We know that it works. But at that point, he didn't have 12 steps. He didn't have, he didn't have a clear understanding of how, he was, how this was going to work. He was flying blind to some extent, right? But he does, instead, instead of going, taking a right, he takes a left, right? Instead of going into the bar, would have been an easy decision. He goes the other direction. And boy, that made all the difference in the world. One alcoholic working with another alcoholic, he's going, to be, he's going to be placed in a position where he comes in contact with Dr. Bob. He doesn't know he's, who he's going to come in contact with. This was all the machinations of this. This was how this was coming together. I'm so grateful when I look at the history. The history is important to me because it connects the dots all the way to 2020. You know, here we are, and the very same stuff works today that I never know the person that I'm going to carry as a ex-problem eater, by the grace of God, I never know what impact I may have on that person, that still suffering person. I never know what God has planned. And boy, God, I have plans and God laughs at my plans. He's got other plans. Pretty extraordinary. With that, I pass. Thanks, Penny. Thanks, Larry. Larry Kay. And next is Edini. Edini? Yeah, I think she's trying to get on and we can't hear her. So let's go to Nancy J and then we'll come back. Nancy? Hi, Penny. Uh, this is Nancy J in Geneva, Illinois. And, you know, when I look at this paragraph, what I'm thinking of, it's so it's so dramatic. The the whole way our fellowship uh, came into being, and this is in the chapter of vision for you, and this is where Bill is going to explain the whole development of the fellowship, the amazing miraculous development, and it starts here with Bill W. completely discouraged with no money, uh, very upset, very down, and extremely vulnerable. Doesn't have anybody to talk to. I mean, we've all been in that situation. 
with with our addiction to food. And here he is in this hotel. And if he had not turned away, it says with a shiver, he turned away. But if he had not turned away, you know, this is our hero. This is the person who started our fellowship that has saved each and every one of us. But if he had not turned away, where would we be today as individuals in our lives with our addiction? So this is so dramatic and 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 so wonderful that he turned away. And in doing that, he saved all of us. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy J. And Adini, are you there? All right, I'm going to go on to take another group. Please just say your name once, and please, God, I'll hear who I need to hear. Do Al. Harry N. Shlomi. Carolyn S. Who is after do, please? Nancy F. Nancy Andrea. Nancy F. Nancy F. I have to. Who was the first? There's there's some there's some foreign new. Stop for a minute, please. There's some extraneous noise on, and it's blocking my ability to hear who's, and I want to get everybody who wants to speak. I have Duel, Nancy F., and Andrea. Who else? Cheryl A. Cheryl. Okay, let's go with those four, and we'll see how much time we have after that. Go ahead, Duel. Duel. Do. Good morning. This is Duel, Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Um, let me reset my timer here. Um, yeah, so I absolutely love this about Bill because it's really showing us that he was in early recovery. I mean, like he's he's sober six months. Um, he hasn't had a drink, um, you know, but here it is. The mental obsession is calling at him. Right. So he still has a mental obsession, even though he's taken step one, even though he's not drinking, he knows that a drink is not an option anymore. The mental obsession is still kicking up for Bill. And he's thinking he has this insidious insanity. Where, where does the insidious insanity reside in the mind that he could take that first drink? And here is saying that, you know, um, I mean, I guess fear had had gripped him and he turned away because of fear, right? But also he knew that by taking step one, the drink was no longer an option, right? When you take step one in your heart, the way Bill did, the drink is no longer gonna be an option. Even though you may have the mental obsession, even though you seldom think about taking those drinks, the drink is no longer an option. And, and that's what stands out for me, 
that he was able to walk away because he had thoroughly taken step one. You know, yes, same thing happened with Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob, he was um, sober, but he had the mental obsession for two and a half years. You know, so what is that telling us? That if we take step one thoroughly, the food is no longer going to be an option. You know, um, even though we may be in early recovery, may, we may still have the mental obsession, that will eventually leave us if we stay on the course of what he did, which was to work with others and to do the program the way it's designed. Now, we don't have to go through trial ever the way uh, Bill and Dr. Bob had to go through. Everything's been, the, the wheel has already been invented and all we have to do is follow the directions, right? We don't have to struggle the way they did trying to figure it out. It's been figured out for us, right? So if that's the case, can we follow these directions of how to take the steps, you know, really take step one in our hearts. And even though we may have the mental obsession, that will be addressed through the rest of the process. And eventually the mental obsession will leave us, right? And we will be in a better place than we've ever been before. And uh, so anyway, so I just wanted to end up with that, that, that there is hope in taking these steps the way uh, they're supposed to. And with that, I pass. Oh, thank you so much, Duell. And Nancy F., your turn. Nancy F., star one. Can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Yeah. I'm Nancy F. from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I really enjoyed the reading, and I just wanted to listen today, but I did, didn't know if I got through or not. But um, to totally powerless over food, that's a big, um, I have been struggling with it. But I'm hanging in there, and I appreciate y'all on the line. Thank you. That I end. Okay. Thank you. Andrea. Andrea. Hi. This is Andrea F. calling from New Jersey. Andrea F. Um, uh, the last uh, sentence in this paragraph. Music and gay chatter still floated to him from the bar. And this reminds me of, I immediately thought of like a, a Disney cartoon where the, the musical notes are following Bill across the lobby, chasing him, and like crooking their finger towards him, like, come on, no, it's fine over here, just this once. And it it, it set me off in this whole train of thought of what I go through. Um, I get, I'm in denial. You know, the gay music is there. It's fine. It's harmless. And then I, it's like a siren song. And you know what the sirens are from Greek myth. They're on the rocks and they're singing to the sailors, come on, it's fine over here. We're all really pretty. All of us cupcakes and Twinkies are really pretty. And then you crash on the rocks. And then um, the gay music again reminded me of a commercial jingle. Like, have it your way at Burger King from the 1970s, right? 
and and that's all I ever wanted to have it my way. I'm I'm an addict. I want to have it. My, yes, come on, I'm coming right through your doors. But then I get to feeling sorry for myself that when I follow the gay music, it doesn't work out because it's like I want to swim with the mermaids and I drown. I just drown and I feel wretched and I feel like I'm hopeless and I'm unlovable. And I just want to be able to follow the commercial jingle, be happy, be gay. And once, once I get to see it's not a cartoon anymore and that it's not a commercial jingle, that this gay music is something much more dangerous to me, I get to stop listening to that and listening for God. And I don't have to go searching for God and following the musical notes God's already inside me. My higher power, at least, who I call God, is inside me already. And I quiet down and I listen and I try to feel that hug inside me from God. And I I no longer am making the decisions about whether or not to listen to the music. Like, I'm free from, I'm free. Um, One of the most fun talks I've heard, it's on YouTube, the the actor Anthony Hopkins, Tony Hopkins, um, Silence of the Lambs guy, he's an AA. And he says, just miraculously, it was a miracle. The desire for the drink was lifted, the compulsion was lifted from me. And that's because I've unblocked myself and I'm no longer looking at the pretty cartoons and listening to the gay music anymore because I'm listening for what's inside me already. It's already there, it's already there for me. Uh, thank you, Penny. And I pass. Thank you, Andrea F. And the next person is Cheryl A. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Penny. Thank you for your service. This is Cheryl A. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Brookline, Massachusetts. Whenever I'm in the realm of paradox, I know that God is there. And the moment, what's capturing me about this moment where Bill was so shaky, there was such simplicity around picking up the phone, getting in touch with others, trying to find another alcoholic to work with, the simplicity of that strikes me as um, bringing such clarity to what, when all else fails, we know works, which is to be working with others. And the complexity of the power of what happened at that moment at the same time, which is the, as Harlan referenced earlier, the course of history was changed forever. And thank God that that allows us to be on the phone today. Um, The paradox of the simplicity and the complexity um, strike me. And um, I'm, I'm struck by his ability to just do the next right thing, not think about it too much, know what he had to do, was very proportional to the depth at which he had taken step one, which someone else had referenced um, just a few minutes ago. And that deep dive into, do I really know who I am? Have, if there is any lingering notion in me, anything related to any aspect of how my disease manifests itself, that somehow I can figure this out, I can think my way out, I can um, 
do one more thing. I could do anything but what the instructions in this book tell me to do. I won't be in that phone booth willing, willing to pick up the phone. I won't even remember unless I have conceded to my innermost self with such clarity that I am a compulsive overeater. I am, I am the alcoholic mind. I, I have an alcoholic mind. My drug is food and some other things, but I have an alcoholic mind. If I don't know that, if I haven't gotten that through my head and my heart and out through my hands, and the out through my hands is what do I do every day, the action, the action, the massive actions over and over again, I just won't take those actions. And so the simplicity of, of and the grasp of step one, I am powerless. So when my brain starts trying to figure all this stuff out, my sponsor says to me all the day, stop thinking, Cheryl. Stop thinking. Just take action. Are you living in your actions? And today, this Bill's story in the action that he took when he could have tried to think about all kinds of things he could have done that would have brought him right back to the drink, the simplicity of his and the depth of his dive into his um, concession to himself, but the power of the complexity of the, the, the how his action changed the course of history is just in the realm of awe to me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Cheryl A. We have time for a two-minute share. Is someone who um, has a, um, a desire to take that two minutes? Carrie M. Carrie? Carolyn yes. S.H. Carrie M., and you'll be our last share. Go ahead. Hi, this is Carrie N. Carrie. Carrie, with a T. Uh, compulsive overeater from Swedesboro, New Jersey. Um, thank you, everybody that's on the line and everybody that shared. I'm very grateful to be here. Um, what stuck out to me was the subtle, it, no, the insidious insanity. And I, too, like someone else shared, looked up the definition. And it had three, and they all apply. <laughs> the first one said, having a gradual and cumulative effect. And I, that makes me think of what I hear on this line about the buildup of human emotion. And the next one was developing so gradually as to be well-established before becoming a parent. When I don't even know what's going on. Like, I don't even know what's happening with that insidious insanity. And the third one was awaiting a chance to entrap. It's going to get me. <laughs> so for today... Thank God I'm so grateful that I'm willing to take the actions necessary not to be trapped <laughs> and to be on the path that God is leading me on. And that's all I wanted to share. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for, for winding us up, Terry M. And um, thank you to everyone who shared on this very powerful paragraph today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, May 1st, 2020, is 14,539. That's 14539. We're now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lauren N. please read that selection for us? 
Thank you, Penny. This is Lauren N., uh, Compulsive Operator, Sugar Addict from New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. If your own house is in order, but but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got, see to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Amen.